0: The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Uh, I'm glad you could be with us this morning. Thanks for taking the time to stopping and growing and celebrating God with us this morning. Uh, This summer, we're doing a series on following Jesus. And it's been really cool. This has been like probably the best series we've ever done. Uh, And we always talk about Jesus and the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the ways of God. But this summer, we really looked at walking with Jesus through some of the main things that He imparted to those who followed Him. We looked at the difference between believing and following, and that when you do follow Jesus, some of the things you begin to understand about God's love, His forgiveness, the new beginnings, new opportunities, God's economy, and we're following Jesus through this sequence, and it's been absolutely amazing. And today, he's about to teach us an incredibly powerful principle, specifically how God grows things and how to not grow things. That if you want to see things grown in your life, God honoring things, if you want to see God grow some amazing fruition in your life, there's a way that it does happen And there's a way that it doesn't happen. And everyone following Jesus needs to get in on this. So Jesus talks about this powerful principle. And he uses the analogy of of seeds and weeds. Seeds and weeds. And the amazing thing about seeds and weeds is everyone gets it. From the earliest of times to today, we can understand this principle. So it's a timeless principle. And Jesus is saying there's so much to be said about seeds and weeds. And if you and I really take hold of this, you will understand how God can grow amazing things in your life or how amazing things won't grow if we really understand uh, the seeds and the, and the weeds. Now, the first thing about seeds we need to understand, we need to understand the, the power of the seed. Some, tell someone next to you the power of the seed. The power of the seed. Now, this is amazing, guys. This is... Baffling with God's design. This is blows me away with the creative order of God. In that little puny seed, in that little tiny puny seed, exists the full DNA of a fully massive plant or tree. In the little itty bitty seed. In other words, in theory, you could find a seed from thousands of years ago of some kind of enormous redwood that doesn't even exist anymore. For example. You can find, or some massive tree, you can find the seed and potentially germinate the seed and begin to grow something that hasn't been seen in years because the DNA of the full manifestation of that plant or that tree lives inside the seed. And it's amazing that God captivated the full capacity of the full plant, the full creation in that little puny seed waiting and so that seed represents this p- powerful, profound potential. But until it germinates and grows, it's, it's unleashed. It can just stay and it can wait and it can wait and it can wait. And that's what's amazing about the DNA. Uh, in other words, when you look at a little acorn, a little acorn, an acorn is the seed of an oak tree. It's the seed of an oak tree. And I think we have a picture of, a, of an acorn and a seed that's taken with an angle. That's a little itty bitty acorn. But when you put the camera right in front of it, you look at that massive tree, you're thinking, you mean to tell me that that tree is inside that acorn? Yes, that tree is inside that acorn, according to God's design. And that's what's so important about seeds. When you look at a seed, you don't think of the capacity. You just think it's a seed. It's not just the seed. Inside the acorn is The oak tree, that's really, really important. And I wanna tell you this morning that God planted some amazing seeds inside of you and me. Each one of us, God planted amazing seeds. And I'm afraid that you and I might only be seeing the seeds. And God is telling you this morning, I don't want you to see the seed. I want you to see the oak tree. I want you to see the oak tree that I'm planting inside of you. And some of you are thinking, I don't have an oak tree inside of me. Oh, yes, you do. You've got great and mighty things God has in store for those who love him. God plants things inside of our hearts, the little things that he puts into our spiritual DNA, according to his created design that he planned on long, long ago for you and I to see this fruition and for these things to come up through our lives and out of our lives on display for God's glory. That's his design. This is what it says in Ephesians 2.10. I believe we have this for up here. Our main passage today is going to be Matthew 13, if if you want to turn there. But uh, Ephesians 2.10, this is what it says. For we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. God looks at you and I. He looks at the church. He looks at his sons and daughters as a straight-up masterpiece. I don't think we think of ourselves as any kind of masterpiece. I know I certainly don't. When I look at myself in the mirror, I'm like, dude, you are no masterpiece. But God, when he looks at you and I, he sees masterpiece. Why does God see masterpiece when we don't? Because we just look at the seed. We look at the acorn. We're not seeing the oak tree. God's not seeing the acorn. God's seeing the oak tree. God's seeing, I put these things in you, Ephesians 2.10, where God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do these good works, these amazing things, this profound fruition, this stuff that wants to blow up in God's economy. He wants to just blow stuff right through the soil, right out of the ground, right through his creative order. And he wants to do these great things that just have this radical display for his namesake because it says good things that he planned for us long, long ago, just like long long ago all the dna was in that acorn and you wait and wait and wait and wait and wait it's been in there long long ago been sitting around 100 years long long ago and finally it gets the condition through which it can germinate poof hey something's happening here it's shooting down a root it's getting deeper in the things of god It's getting filled. It's getting, the word is being poured in. The spirit of God is pouring in and all of a sudden there's this fruition taking shape and all of a sudden, what is this thing? What's it going to be? And it just keeps growing and growing. That's the heart of God. God sees an oak tree in you. And I think this morning he's telling, he's asking us to see the oak tree that he sees. Don't just see the acorn. Don't just see the acorn. So, God sees a masterpiece whether we do or not. We're created for these great things, and like a seed, like a seed, these things were planted, planned long, long ago, is what Scripture is telling us. So, I I want to encourage you to take some notes today because these are such powerful principles on God's creative order on how amazing things can either grow out of your life and mine or not grow. We can try to grow stuff, and it won't grow. I would encourage you this morning, if you're a Christ follower and you want to understand God's economy, God's ways, Jesus teaches this principle in Matthew and Mark and in Luke. He teaches this thing uh, pretty widespread through the New Testament, this principle of growth and how things can grow and how great things cannot grow. And the first one is this, is to, to understand uh, each of you has an oak inside of you. Each of you has an oak inside of you. Each of you has this great and mighty thing that God has that he planned from long ago in you. Scripture says God put stuff in you long ago. Scripture says that, I'm not saying that. Scripture says God put stuff in you that he designed in you. Psalm 139 says that when you were being formed in your mother's womb, he was putting things in you. You're like, way back then? Yes, I was putting stuff in the mix, in you, in you. Well, I don't see it. Because all you and I are seeing is an acorn. God's like, you have no idea what I want to grow out of you. But start walking with me. Get a little closer. Listen a little more. Get to understand how, you, how to get the nutrients going and how to, how to walk in faith. And you're going to begin to see a display of stuff coming out of you you've never seen before. Because our way of growing stuff is not God's way of growing stuff. Each of you has an oak inside of you and it starts with a seed and I believe God is the one who plants the seed there. It says that he put these things in us from long, long ago. Things that he wants to see burst forth. That's the principle of God's seed in us in the fruition of the oak tree. Um, The second point is this and I want to say it before we get into the text is because this is so important, protect, protect what God is planting. Protect what God is planting. You've got to protect what God is planting. It is so important. The things that God, the seed God wants to put in your life, the things that he wants to water and, 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 and see take life and, and, and to grow, it's so important. And we disregard it as just a seed, whatever, you know, it's not a big thing. It's just a, an acorn. No, understand what it is and protect it. It is so important to protect what God is planting. Uh, we got a picture out here of a little acorn with a little guy and... Um, now, this guy here, uh, cute little picture. Uh, I'm looking at this guy, cute little like bunny or squirrel or whatever. He doesn't look like he's got rabies or anything weird, but he's about to eat this little, this little nut, this little acorn. Um, what he doesn't know, look out, little buddy. There's an oak tree inside of that thing. He doesn't know there's an oak tree inside of that. He's like, hey, it's my lunch. Leave me alone. He doesn't know there's an oak tree. Now, there's another picture I have, and I love this one. Um, this one. You might remember this from Ice Age. How many of you guys have seen Ice Age? Okay, that guy in Ice Age is like a prehistoric squirrel. Now, the difference with this guy, he gets a hold of this acorn, and half the movie is about this guy kind of running after this acorn. It's really funny, actually, all the things they do. But he wants to protect that acorn. He's doing everything he can to protect the acorn. In the Ice Age, if he, if he wanted to just eat it, he would have just opened his mouth and tried to swallow. But everywhere he goes, he's taking this thing, he's, he's getting away from him, he finds it. He, I think he knows unlike most squirrels that there's an oak tree inside of this and if it gets to the right place it's going to grow an oak tree that keeps giving off acorns you got to protect you got to protect you got to protect what God is planting, and that's really, really important. So today, what we're going to look at in Matthew 13, we're going to cover a big portion of this. We can't cover the whole chapter, but I'm just going to lay out the sequence on the front side. He lays out a picture. Jesus does, and what he does is he he explains something. He tells a story, and then later on in the chapter, he he actually comes back and explains the detail of it. And he does that on a couple of things. He's going to explain a situation in a parable, uh, weeds and seeds. And then he's going to come back and explain the detail of it. And so this is the way he breaks it down regarding weeds and seeds, uh, regarding how to grow great things and how not to grow great things. It's important for both your life and my life as well. Uh, Matthew 13 starts like this. The same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. And while all the people stood on the shore... Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. By the way, Jesus says that a lot in passage. If you have ears to hear what the Spirit's saying, get in on this. A lot of folks aren't clocking what the Spirit of God is saying, and they're not going to know how to grow stuff or how God grows great things. They're going to just take it in their own hands, build it their own way, and try to make it happen. Jesus is saying, if you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, this is how stuff grows. This is how great things grow for the glory of God. So the farmer is scattering seed. He sets it up. The seed representing, once again, this amazing potential. Potential beyond anything you could imagine is in that little seed. Most people disregard it, but you've got to recognize the power of the seed. And some never even start to grow, just gets scattered. Some start to grow but get scorched. Some grew. And started to do pretty good, but started to slowly get choked out, unfortunately. Choked, just, just choked out. The life was choked out of them. But some went 30, 60, and 100 times more than that one little seed. Can you imagine 30, 60, or 100 times more than that little seed? You know, planting a tomato seed and getting 100 tomatoes? You'd be like, whoa, how did that happen? That would be really cool, right? Right? God's saying, hey, my way of doing things, there can be this kind of multiplication. He's talking about the fruition of the things God put in you can come out of us this way by God's design if we understand the sower and the seed, God's economy, his kingdom, and how this works. So he moves on in verse 18 and he explains this parable. So he says, listen then, I want to skip down to 18 because I want to keep in context with this conversation that Jesus is having with his followers about seed and weeds. Uh, Listen then, verse 18, uh, to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground uh, refers to someone who hears the word of God at once and receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but worries, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed fallen on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it, and this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Let's break this down a little bit. God is essentially planting seed in everyone's heart. God is planting seed in everyone's heart. Your heart and my heart are the soil. He's planting seed in your heart and my heart. Our hearts are the soil. And I would say our heart is equally as important as the seed being planted because this heart of ours gets to respond to the seed. The soil responds to the seed. The seed responds to the soil. Something beautiful happens when they, the seed and the soil get together with the right nutrients, a little moisture, and all of a sudden, poof, all of a sudden something takes place. But in this case right here, he's talking about some who, who hear, uh, someone who hears. Uh, it falls along the path, and the path, by definition, is where everybody walks. It's just hard, it's not personal path is just a hard road. It's just a hard surface. And Jesus is saying there's a lot of hearts, a lot of hearts out there where the heart can get hard as a rock. The Bible says that Jesus is really good at, and I know because he did this in my life, maybe he's done it in yours, where he takes away a heart of stone and gives his heart of flesh. Is anybody Can anybody relate to that, where Jesus takes away a heart of stone? This is what he's talking about. He understands hard hearts. He understands life makes them hard. Disappointment makes them hard. Um, uh, Situations, things that happen to us, things we endure, whatever, can make disappointment, unmet expectations, being sinned against, whatever it is, can make a heart hard. He understands that. But he's the one who takes away the heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. He's talking about a soil condition here that when the seed falls on it, we can choose to be hard or open. Our heart chooses to respond to the seed of God's word, his invitation, and his love. And in hard surfaces, nothing takes root. Nothing takes root in a hard surface. Nothing takes root. And it says because of there's hardness right here, uh, the devil immediately comes and tries to snatch it away. The first thing the devil does when a seed is sprinkled onto a hard heart that's even Open to considering maybe about God and his ways and his love and his power and everything. The first thing, the very first thing the devil does is comes and, and sows doubt. Doubt. Because the only way things grow in God's kingdom is by faith. We're saved by grace through faith. By, the whole journey is by faith. Beginning that it's all by faith, it's God's provision of grace all through faith, every part of it that you and I get in on, every part of fruition and what God's going to grow and do in your life and in mine is by faith and it is through faith. It's all by faith. So the enemy goes, hmm, what can I do to stop that from happening? I know what I'll do, doubt. Let me scatter doubt. I'll scatter doubt. Doubt. And the person who hears on the hard surface, the very first time they hear, and they're like, "Mm, I'm wondering, yeah, I don't know, It sounds good, maybe, I'm not sure. They have a hard heart. The first thing the enemy does is he sows doubt. And then they go, ah, forget it. And they walk away. This is what's important. He tries to snatch it away. Faith, things grow by faith, but listen to this. Things die by doubt. You want to know God's economy, how God grows things, how the oak tree is going to come out of you? How's that acorn going to turn into an oak tree in your life? How's it going to come out of you? By faith, that's how it's going to come out of you. Not by doubt. There's nothing busting forth by doubt. There's nothing breaking through the hard ground through doubt. Nope, it'll just sit there on the surface get kicked around, stepped on just like a path, disregarded, no value, and snatched away. That's what doubt does. But faith does a different thing. Faith takes root. Faith grows deep. Faith pulls from deep places. Faith has greater places to propel from. And so uh, we can either soften our heart or harden our heart. The choice is ours. But here's the third point this morning is God's seed. God's seed grows under faith, but dies under doubt. It grows under faith, but it dies under doubt. Think of that as the surface of the land and the seed. You want to put it under doubt? You want to put your doubt on top of God's seed? Don't expect any growth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You got to believe the seed. You got to believe what God plants. If God's the creator of this beautiful spiritual DNA, the seed that he puts again, the Bible even talks about being born again of imperishable seed, imperishable seed, a seed that won't go away, can't go away. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're like, what kind of seed is this? God's like, it's my kind of seed. I want to grow things with my kind of seed in your life. And so if you and I have a hard heart and we doubt stuff, nothing's going to take root. But if we have an open heart, we have a pliable heart, whoa, watch out. This is where things by faith begin to grow. So God's seed grows under faith but dies under doubt. So some seed falls on the rocky ground. Rocky ground is different. It's a different heart condition. It's a heart that loves the idea. Is actually very open to the idea of God, what, his love, God's forgiveness, God's blessing? Sure, that sounds great. I'll take that. I mean, who, who would, this is baffling to me. Who in the world would pass up on forgiveness, new beginnings, names in, name in the Lamb's book of life? Like, I mean, everything that God has, God putting his spirit inside of us. You know what I mean? I mean, think of everything that the kingdom of God offers through Jesus Christ, the new beginnings. Who would pass it up? And some are like, Hey, great idea. I'll take one of those too. You know, I'll sign up for that. And it's saying that the people with the rocky ground represents a heart where the idea sounds great. The principle sounds great. And they emotionally would go, yes, that's me. I want that. But as soon, as soon as it's not easy, as soon as the trial comes, as soon as as the storms start to blow, like, whoa, 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 wait a second. I don't know what I got into here, but wait a second. I'm not, I, I didn't sign up for this. And soon as things get tough, it's referred to in this passage right here as the, as the ground that is rocky. Any trouble, any persecution, any ways of the world started putting pressure, that's it, quit. And I think you probably know some people in your life that at one time thought of this idea of following Jesus might be a good idea. Um, you know, sometimes crusades... Uh, Crusades have a very large response ratio, usually a lot of times 10% of the people will come forward at some big crusades, but not all of them because they're not really always plugged in and growing, or the idea sounds good and they accept it with joy, but when trials or troubles come, that was, that's what tests your faith in the first place. And so a lot of them just get shaken out through this process of trials and persecution, and basically what happens with rocky ground, hearts... That our rocky ground refuse to grow under pressure. They refuse to grow under pressure. When pressure comes, they're like, no, I ain't growing anymore. I'm kinda done. I'm gonna uproot at this point. Pressure is what determines things. And I'll tell you what happens in a real storm with trees. When trees are blown around in a storm, it forces them to push their roots even further. Did you know that? As as the storms come and it blows, the the trees like we're going out even wider now. And the cooler thing is when trees would start withstanding uh, storms, they even withstand them even better because they start reaching further and further. And so you have to, by definition, your faith has to be tested if you're going to grow. And some are like, I want the blessing. I don't want a trial. I don't want trouble. I don't want persecution, and I'm not going to deal with any of that. And that's what the rocky ground situation represents. So, um, fourth point this morning is is to learn to appreciate growing under pressure. Learn to appreciate. I say learn to because you have to learn to. Believe me, no one enjoys times of pressure. No one enjoys the trials. But that's why the Bible says, consider it all joy when you go through trials of any kind because it's the testing of your faith. When you're going through this time, it's, it's where God is developing perseverance, character. That's where God's stretching your roots. That's where you're getting to go bigger because the trial is what's testing your faith and making you stronger. You can't grow without the trial. You and I won't grow without the trial. The people I look at now, I read some, you know, either people in modern life or people I respect who have a walk with God as a Christ follower or people historically, the ones who I salute the most, I look back at their life and they just happen to have gone through a bunch of trials. And because of it, they just walk in a different way. They walk in a different way. They live their life in a different way. God uses them in a different way. They just all happen to have been through some stuff. Nobody seems to have an easy pace road That was a hero in the faith. So here it comes down to how you and I, uh, are we going to grow under pressure? Are we going to shut down under pressure? Uh, Again, learn to appreciate growing under pressure because that's where real growth happens. Real growth happens under pressure. We're tested under pressure. And we've talked about this before, but your faith and mine, it cannot grow unless it's stretched. Faith, that's the way faith grows. The more you stretch it, poof, it grows. And then it stretches more and it grows. If it doesn't get stretched, it doesn't grow. And our faith gets stretched through these trials. Really, really important. So again, the way humanity does things is different than the way God grows things. Humanity doesn't want you stretched all crazy and bent out of shape. God's like, look, I love you. I'm with you. I'm never gonna leave you. I'm with you in everything till the ends of this age, but I'm with you in your trial. And yes, you are being stretched, but I'm with you in it and I love you Trust me, don't doubt. And as you trust him, your faith is getting stretched. And on the other side of the trial, you can say, look, the Lord got me through and I am stronger today. I am stronger today because I knew what it's like to depend on God. And when something like that comes again, I'm gonna say, yep, I've been this way already. You can say, I've been this way before. It's nice to say, To be able to say, I've been this way before and God's brought me through this before. And you can get do what Israel does. And whenever you're about to face something, an army, an opposition, you begin to recall, recall. Everybody say recall. You recall all the great things that God's done in your life. That's what you do. You recall. Wait, what what about the time when this happened and God came through? And what about the time when that happened and God came through? You start to recall all the great things and trials he's brought you through so that you can move into your next one the same way with a confidence saying, I don't understand it, I don't get it, and I don't even have to appreciate it, but God is with me, and he will never leave or forsake me, and he's gotten me through the past trials, and he's gonna get me through this one too, but if you cave under trials, if you cower, if we shrink back under trials, God's never gonna grow great things in our life because by definition, the trials are, are that's, that's the, the part where the heat and the, the surface, in fact, a lot of seeds only burst forth when there's been heat. It's been said that the, the pine cones and some of the pine trees in the mountains, that they're dropping the pine, tree, pine cones all over the place and yet most of them aren't popping up into a pine tree. Um, but what often happens when a fire comes through, when a fire comes through and burns something and devastates, well, some of the pine cones that are under the ground that get so hot, they don't completely burn, but they get so hot it actually, that kind of heat causes them to open up. And then they start pulling moisture out of the ground. And you're thinking, wait, you mean to tell me there's a, something turning into a tree that never would have turned into a tree if there was no heat? Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't have been a tree if there wasn't any heat. And that's the point, guys. There's got to be heat sometimes for the, for the acorn to turn into the oak tree. Don't, you know, don't fight it. Just go with it. Uh, the seeds among the thorns. This is when things, seeds among the thorns. This is another one. Things start growing well. They take root. They're doing good. They're actually showing up. They're looking really good. They're not like the shallow ones that are, you know, choked out by the sun. These are actually going, looking pretty good. But here's the problem. And this can happen in your heart. My heart can happen in anyone's heart. This is saying there's a warning. And he's talking to followers. There's a warning for followers of Jesus for a couple of things that can start to choke life out of what God wants to grow in your life and in mine. And he says right here, the two things, he's talking about two thorny things, thorny things. These are thorns that begin to choke and pull down and to throttle back and to kind of put a chokehold on what God wants to grow in your life and in mine. And he says, here's the two thorny things that can kill what God is growing or at least try to. Worry and wealth. Worry and wealth. And wealth, let's break this down. Worry, worry happens when we think that God is not big enough to look after my details. Worry happens when we think God isn't big enough to look after my details. And this happens when we go, I don't know, I thought God was gonna come through by now, but he didn't. Now I'm really bent out of shape and guess what? Now I gotta start doing something about it on my own. Have you ever done that? Thinking God's late, honesty in God's house this morning? okay. Thinking God's a little late by now? Bible's full of stories of this, by the way. People going, well, I waited, God, but I think you're a little late. So I'm just going to handle it. Step in. Worry. Out of worry, starting to do things and step out of line and step over boundaries or do whatever you got to do. Start to worry. Worry is doubt. Worry is not faith. Do things grow by doubt? Do things grow by faith? Yeah. So in this place of worry, we begin to choke the very things out that God is trying to grow. Uh, Worry is is one of them. And we're warned on worry about that. It's not to say we don't have a worry. We have worries. But the Bible says to cast these cares upon the Lord. To Say, God, I got some issues. I got some problems. I got some stuff I'm worried about. But I'm still going to trust you with them. And I'm going to take these cares. I'm going to cast them upon you, God, because you're good. And I know you're looking out for me. This is important. It's not that we don't have worries. It's where we place our worries and what we do with them. Uh, because if not, we begin to think that God's not big enough to look out after our details. And that is not true. That is not the seed of God. That is doubt. That is the seed of the enemy. He, that's a weed. The enemy plants weeds, God plants seeds. A doubt like that, that God's not big enough to look after your detail, is not a seed of God, it is a seed of a weed. From the enemy. And so it also says to beware of the deceitfulness of wealth. The deceitfulness of wealth. Now, this is important because it's not talking about wealth is the problem, it's the deceitfulness of wealth is the problem. The Bible's got an overarching theme that money is not the root of all evil, but the love of money or the lust of money is the root of all evil. And so um, this is important to look at because this happens to many well intended followers of Jesus. Well-intended followers of Jesus. It says, if you look at the passage, and I broke this down in different translations, it talks about the deceitfulness. Beware of the deceitfulness of wealth. It's calling it the deceitfulness. Some other passages say the lure. You know, you put a fishing lure in there. Kind of dangle. a little. Some, sometimes, depending on what you're fishing for, you pull it along, you keep it moving. You know, depends on what the fish are looking for. But, but whatever it is, you're trying to fake them. And you're trying to put something on there like a bait, like, oh, there's a hook in this and you don't even know it, a little fishy. And, and you're like moving the thing along and whatever it is. It's a lure. It's a lure. It's a lure to trick. It's not what you think it is. It says, beware the deceitfulness of wealth, the lure of wealth. Another translation says the deception, the deception of wealth. Another translation says the delusion of wealth. And another one says the seduction of wealth, the seduction. You don't even know what you're about to get into in a sense of seduction. It's like, do you see this for what it is? Delusion, uh, deception, allure, a seduction. And here's why it is. Because the love of money doesn't deliver what it promises. It can't deliver on what it promises. It cannot, by definition, fulfill what it promises. And the idea that we would have is just, if we just had a lot of money, that everything would be great and everything would go away. And that doesn't mean that if you don't have a great business plan, pray about a business plan or whatever you're doing, if you're an entrepreneur making good money, just know where it comes from and make sure it's the love of the Lord, not the love of the money, that God sees all this stuff. And he may bless you, multiply, and turn things to gold. God's done that in plenty of people's life. He may do that in yours. But listen, if it really is the love of money, God sees that a mile away. And that is a lure, and that is a deception, and that will take people down the wrong road because the Bible says you cannot serve two masters. You can't. There's no one who can. The best well-intended Christ follower cannot be a Christ follower if they really love money, if they're caught up in the, what this is saying, the deceitfulness of wealth, the lure of it, the deception, the delusion, or the seduction. They could be following for years, and all of a sudden, if they're going with the delusion, uh-oh, Guess what it's all going the wrong way and and this is what happens with uh, Many have been as Paul writes to to the Galatians cut in on like you were running a race and somebody cut in on you Like what happened you were running, you know, you see that in some of the olympics I don't know if you've been catching that, you know, someone's somebody might trip and you're like, oh, no What happened you could have had a medal you were doing good. What happened? Somebody cut in on you Maybe and got in your lane or whatever and just tripped and fell and you're like, oh, no It's the same way here. It's like you're running a good race. You started to think, well, wait a minute. If I just had that kind of money and if I, and all of a sudden it starts subtle and we start to go, we start to put our aim and our focus and our agenda and God is not number one anymore. The lure, the lust, the seduction of money cuts in on people and it stops growing the very oak tree that God was trying to grow in your life in the first place. And life's too short for that. We try to grow our own stuff. God's like, you're missing out. I'm growing something beautiful in you. Stick with me on this thing. It'll come to fruition. But sometimes we, this is what the lure of of deceitfulness of wealth will do. Uh, We begin to justify. Here's what happens when when we do this Um, it doesn't deliver what it promises, first of all. And it also, we begin to compare. We begin to compare ourselves to others. And we go, "Hey, hey, wait a minute. Wait, and this is where it begins. Instead of looking at the Lord and you know honoring God and again making money and being productive and being resourceful, that's beautiful. Let's the Bible that has nothing but good things to say about being wise as serpents and gentle as doves. But when you and I take our eyes off the prize and start looking at others and go, wait, they have the, hey, wait a minute. I think I should have. I think I just, now all of a sudden the lure, remember this, the fish lure? We just got, we bit into that lure and we're going down a road of a seduction of wealth or something like that. God's not calling us that way. What happens when we do that is we, we compare and we covet and we tend to take things into our own hands. We tend to make things happen and it's not the oak tree growing that God's trying to do. It's the, our own thing we're trying to create. We justify our ways. We put our ways over God's ways and it kills the very thing that God's trying to grow in us. Trying to grow in us. So number five is this. Fifth point this morning is this. To watch out for the weeds of worry and for the love of money. Watch out for the weeds of worry and for the love of money. Those two things have wrecked many along the way. Well-intended people like you and I that love the Lord. They love the Lord. I've known people that were serving the Lord for years, and something got in there about the love of something, like, oh, yeah, and they start, and you're like, what are they doing? What's, what's going on? And something happened, some seduction of something along, and, and, and the Bible says for all of us to watch how you're standing, lest you fall. We can't say, I'm over all that. That this stuff doesn't bother me. I'm holy. I'm perfect. I don't even think about that. Be careful. Be careful. If you think he's standing firm, watch out lest you fall. We all have to be watchful. That's why Jesus is talking to believers, followers, people gathered around Jesus. They're all gathered around him to hear Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, with the words of life. They're gathered around. He's like, be careful and beware of worry and beware of wealth or the desire for it or the lust for it. And so watch out for the weeds of worry and the love of money. And then I'm going to skip down. I will say he does share a brief little passage here. On the mustard seed, and I only want to summarize one thing about the mustard seed, since he's talking about seeds and weeds. It's the tiniest of all seeds and often disregarded, like, what's that thing going to do? That seed's like a joke. You put it next to an acorn, it's like, you know, you think, well, what's that little thing going to do, right? But that little tiny seed gives life, and it gives the kind of life uh, that provides shelter, shelter. For many, many birds. It gives a shelter. It also is a mustard plant is where a spice comes from, mustard. And so, you know, you're getting a spice. You're getting a flavor. You're getting a shelter. There's a lot of things that come out of that little seed. So don't disregard little things. Don't disregard little seeds that God plants because God can do huge things and huge blessings even through little seeds. And so that's what we learn with the mustard seed. But the rest of this chapter, Jesus continues to focus on weeds, weeds, weeds. He's like, I'm teaching about the seeds, how they grow, but the weeds are so important. I need to tell you a little bit more about the weeds because the weeds are always going to come. Now, weeds, when you think about weeds, Jesus is focusing on the weeds here. So I want to talk about weeds. But when you think about weeds, nobody likes weeds. I mean, nobody likes weeds. When I was a little kid in New York City, I had a next door neighbor who did not like weeds. He had the best lawn on, on the block. I lived in a part of New York where you actually could have a little lawn and this guy had the best lawn on the block. And if any kid tried to ride their bike even across the corner, I mean, he'd be out there real quick. he get off my lawn. You know, I mean, he's one of those guys, okay, retired guy. He loved his lawn. It was the greenest lawn. It was the best lawn, perfectly manicured mowed lawn. It was greener longer than everybody else's. He did not like weeds. And so one day he approaches me and he says, hey, uh, you want to make some money? Like, yeah, sure. What do, you, what do you got in mind? He's like, oh, uh, how would you like to pull these, these weeds in my, in my uh, backyard here? And I'm like, how much? And he says, uh, I'll give you two bucks, New York. I'll give you two bucks. I'm like, two dollars? All right, two dollars, pull the weeds? All right, no problem, I'll do it. He's like, it's a deal? Yeah. He goes, now here's the thing. I'm going to give you two dollars to pull these weeds, but when I come to look at the job, for everyone I find, if I find I got to take off a nickel for everyone. I'm like, it's fine. I mean, he's the boss, his house, his job, right? Sounds good to me. So I'm out there for like an hour or two. I don't know what it was. It's, you know, seems criminal now. I look back, but, you know, two bucks would get you a lot of candy bars back in the day, okay? And so um, I'm doing this thing, and I pull these weeds. I got a whole bucket full of weeds, you know, out of this guy's lawn. And he's like, are you ready? I go, yeah, I'm ready. He's like, are you done? Yeah, I'm done. You get them all? Yep, yeah, think so. It's like, okay, good. Let me walk around and inspect here. Oh... I found one right here, pulls it out. He goes, that's one nickel. Up. Oh, I found another one over here, two nickels. Up. Oh, I found another, and I'm going, I'm going, yeah, I know where this thing is going really quick. You know, the, the next door neighbor kids are getting ripped off here, right? So we're unwinding the value. Instead of me getting two bucks, he's taking off a nickel, five, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50. He's unwinding this deal pretty quickly and he's finding all these things wrong. Needless to say, I never worked for him again. After this deal. In fact, I was thinking at the time, isn't there like labor laws against this kind of stuff? I'm about to call, you know, labor department or I thought they stopped that stuff way back in the coal mining days where you're taking advantage of little kids and, you know, I think what he did at the end is he split the difference. But he took that two bucks and he wound it back. I did learn one thing about this gentleman. Living next to him for the next, you know, subsequent years. um, he, He always had the best lawn on the block. And if, if I look back and wonder what was his main secret of maybe the best lawn on the block, I think this is one thing that was his, his mode of operation, was to identify the weeds early. Identified the weeds early. This is the kind of guy who would look for a kid. I got to find these weeds early. Can I hire you? I just got to get the weeds out early. None of the other neighbors were thinking that way. He was thinking, I got to get the weeds out early. Because if I get the weeds out early, they're not ever going to overtake my lawn. But if you don't get the weeds out early, they will overtake the lawn. And that's why sometimes if you've ever done a sod job or anything at your house, you just look how many weeds are like, forget it, just take the whole thing out and put in new sod. It's not worth it. It's just too far gone. But if you stay on top of it, if you stay on top of it, it's a different story. Well, I learned my lesson from that one there. But um, the secret to his was to pull the weeds early because it keeps everything manageable. And if you and I are willing to pull the weeds early, Everything in our lives will stay manageable as well. Weeds are going to come up, guys. This side of heaven, weeds are going to come. There's no perfect people. There's no perfect hearts. There's no per- Weeds are going to come. But when they do, when they do, what are we going to do? Are we going to recognize them and pull them early? We're going to look the other way and hope they go away. We can keep it manageable or we can let them overcome and start to choke life out. Here's the sixth point this morning is that if you really want to grow anything great identify weeds and pull them early. Identify weeds and pull them early. If you want to grow something great, identify the weeds and pull them early. Jesus is sharing how they they start, if you don't catch them early, they start to choke the life out of the very thing that God's trying to grow in your life. So if you want to grow anything great, identify the weeds and and pull them early. And so I just want to summarize the chapter because I'm not able to hit on the, the last part of this passage. He spends a lot of time talking about weeds. And here's a couple of things that he It summarizes, just in summary, um, it summarizes that Jesus is scattering the good seed. And the devil is scattering the bad seed. It's weeds. And the passage is going on to say that the, the things that Jesus is scattering is to grow beautiful people, beautiful people and beautiful things. Beautiful people and beautiful things. And the devil is scattering a different seed. Destructive people and destructive weeds. This is what's going on. And His are to choke out anyone or anything that he can, and that's what he does, his mode of operation. But we live in a world, this is what the passage is saying, where both of these things are happening simultaneously. Both of these things are happening all around us at the same time, and they're going to continue to until the end. We've got both of these things happening at the same place at the same time. The seeds of Jesus, the seeds of the enemy. They're happening at the same time. The good seed that he's planting, that fruition is popping up, and God's, and then the devil trying to come around and throw weeds in. The passage goes on to say, and, and then they, the, the apostles say, well, what should happen? Should we start pulling up? And he's like, no, uh, until the end, this is going to happen. There's going to be this two seeds going on. Seeds and weeds is going to be a principle until Jesus comes back. Okay, till Jesus 2.0, there's going to be seeds and weeds. But he's saying that God's finally going to pull every weed and, and put it in the fire. And here's some application. In fact, this would be great if the worship team comes up. Here's some application. Get very intentional. Get intentional about planting good seed in your field. Your heart is your field. Plant seed in your field. And here's where you're going to find the good seed. You get alone with God and you get in his word. And his word is so rich with seed, the promises of God... Uh, the description that God says about your identity and who you are and what he plans for you. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're not to harm you. They're to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. God's like, I want to grow stuff in your life. But if we get in God's word, we'll begin to understand these promises and these things that God wants to do in our lives. And so get in his word and you'll uh, uh, you'll begin to receive the seed in your heart of all the things that God wants to do in your life. Get intentional about planting the good seed in your life. And the next thing is, remember, it takes good soil. The condition of this heart matters everything. And if we harden up, which we're all capable of doing, things are not going to grow. So it's so important. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs, it says, Above all else, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. The flexibility of this heart, the pliability of this heart. What God can do in a heart that can be molded and shaped is profound. It's monumental. It's enormous. He can, he can grow oak trees out of a heart that can flex. But the ones that get rigid and hard, that's the soil that things don't grow in. Okay, that's important. The soil is our heart condition. God grows greater things in pliable hearts. That's important. And here's the other deal is when we're not paying attention That's when the enemy comes around and scatters the wrong seed. It's when we're not paying attention. The passage says, if you were to read it later on, while everyone was asleep, while we're all sleeping, the enemy's out there scattering seed. How many of you know when you look at the news or you study anything about criminal activity, more more criminal activity happens when we're sleeping? Do you know that? Why is that? Because the enemy's scattering seed while we're sleeping. Um... When we're not paying attention, he comes. But sometimes we're not paying attention, we're just not clocking it. And so we can be doing a lot of things and the enemy could be scattering seed. You know, I walked by the other day, my kids were watching some sort of Disney movie. It's rated G, nothing weird in our house that way. But I, I couldn't help noticing, as I walked by, I saw a girl in the movie go with some spell and it shocked me, it just hit me. I'm like, that is evil. That is flat out evil. And I said, kids, do you see that? Do you know what the Bible calls that? Calls it sorcery. Calls it divination. It calls it witchcraft. It's actually evil. And my one child said, but dad, it's rated G. I said, I don't care how the motion picture society (laughs) rates that. From the spirit of God, that's rated R. That's horrific. That's like really, really bad stuff. We can either go, I don't care what our kids are watching, whatever. I don't know their device. I don't know what's on it. I don't know what they're watching. They're watching Netflix or something, or they're watching stuff 24... Do we even know if you have kids? What are you watching? What are you taking in? What seeds are you letting into your soil? I mean, what are you letting in? Because I'm telling you, while we're not looking, while we're sleeping, the enemy's trying to scatter weeds. So if you and I don't get intentional about what we let in, what we let in, what we let in, we're gonna find that there's gonna be weeds growing up along with the life. Weeds growing up with the life and they start to choke out that very life that God's trying to grow. Above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. It's really, really important. When the weeds come up, identify them early, whether they're the lies we believe in or matters of unforgiveness. The Bible says that these are, they take a root a root of bitterness that goes way deep down in the bottom of a heart. Matters of unforgiveness. And so what is, the, what is the enemy scattered? What's gone on in here that's taken a deep root? Is there anything choking out the oak tree that God's trying to grow out of our lives? God, we have, guys, we have to discern what that is. And then we, we don't want to trim it. We want to pull it up by the roots. There's an oak tree that God put in you and he wants it to come out of you. And when he sees you, he sees you as a masterpiece because he doesn't see you as the acorn. He sees the oak tree. So we're going to close in prayer right now, but I just want to pray that God does some work on these these hearts of ours, that we would be the kind of soil and we'd be the kind of discerning sons and daughters that say, God, I want the good seed. I want to look out for the bad weeds. When the weeds come, I want to see it. I want to pull it. God, I want fruition out of my life and I don't want to be distracted by worries or deception of other things, God. I want what you want to grow in me. That's what I want. And if that's you, would you stand with me this morning? We just want to ask God to seal some of these things in our hearts. Mighty God, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. We just ask, Lord, that in this area of these seeds and these weeds, that we would be sons and daughters that would say, you know what, God? Life is too short, I don't want any weeds. Life is too short, I want the seeds that you want to grow in me. I don't want to hinder their growth. I want to let my heart be pliable so that you can grow whatever you want in me and out of me and through me, God. I know you have great things, God. Great and mighty things we know not of. I know you've put things in us from the foundations of the world way long ago. You designed great things to come out of us. You told us that in Ephesians 2.10. And God, I just pray that you begin to develop these things and let us make way... For what you want to grow. But at the same time, God, I pray if there's things that are choking, I pray if there's weeds in these heart, I pray if there's things going away uh, that we would just put these things before you. And I I like to do this, but as a symbol before God, if you just want to lift your two hands just right in front of you, just like you're holding out something to God, if you have something that you know is a weed of any kind or something that you let in that it might have been permissible, but it's not beneficial, and it's certainly not beneficial anymore, Say, hey, God, you know what? I, I think this needs to go because it's going to block the growth. It's going to hinder the growth. Whether it's a matter of unforgiveness, whether there's a root of bitterness, uh, whether there's things we've seen or done or observed or went along with that isn't, isn't honoring to God and it's going to choke the very life of what God wants to grow. Symbolically, just put it before the Lord right now and say, Lord, just take this stuff and pull it up by the root. Pull it up by the root. Pull it up by the root. I don't want to navigate this stuff. I don't want to just trim this stuff. I want to recognize weeds early and I I want to pull them up by the roots. So Lord, take these things that get in the way of fruition and pull them out in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for that, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to pray for, Lord, a profound blessing on everyone's week, Lord. Do great and mighty things, Lord. Let us be people that represent fruition in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.